Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at houseofcardsradio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your guest, your host for the hour. We have a great guest, an exciting and successful poker player, one of the fastest rising stars in the poker universe. His name is Chris Mormon. If you haven't heard of him, shame on you. He's had over $10 million in online caches, $2.9 million in live caches, ranked number one online worldwide 18 times, and a bunch of other things that we'll talk about. A great player. We'll be having him with us. And then we have Ed Miller, author of Playing the Player and six previous books, will be a guest on our show. He is an extraordinary poker writer, one of the true greats, and we're happy to have him on. So stay tuned. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyons, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. The key to winning poker is knowledge, and winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. Cash games, small tournaments. 
Whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get Winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Call us at 609-474-HOCR and leave a message for Ashley and the rest of the House of Cards crew. Comments about the show? Poker questions? You just want us to know about great places to play or you just got bluffed out of a pot? Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards Hotline, available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com and don't forget to visit our website at houseofcardsradio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Theater 5 presents a House of Cards. But are we cool? Not really. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And as promised, we have one of the maybe the brightest star of all poker superstars today with us on the show. His name is Chris Mormon. If you have not been following the world of online and live poker lately, uh, just a quick bio. He has uh, really been an elite competitor all his life, bridge and pool first, and then unbelievable success at the poker table online as well as uh, brick-and-mortar casinos. He recently passed the $10 million in cashes uh, world and is now a very successful online and cash game player, a tournament player especially, Chris Mormon. Chris, are you there? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Well, nice to have you. I'm glad you could share 10 to 15 minutes with us. 
tell our listeners who are largely want to be successful poker players. I mean, they'd like to be you uh, in a heartbeat. Tell them a little bit about your journey to where you are now. How did you get to be the successful player that you are? Um, well, I kind of just started. I started when I was at university. I was just playing for fun with my friends. I never kind of thought it would ever come to this. But I just started playing with my friends for fun. And, uh, yeah, I was instantly hooked on the game. Um, didn't start off, obviously. Obviously, I started off losing like everyone else does kind of thing. But I was just really keen to learn. I just read everything I could. I, like made friends with people who, like, knew more about the game than me, and I talked to them. I just was probably one, kind of annoying to them. I just kept asking questions, and they'd give me answers, and I'd note it all down and try and just develop my own game and just kind of went from there, really. Obviously, it's been a long journey, but, yeah, no. Was there a moment, Chris, was there a moment when you said, wow, I think I'm actually pretty good at this? Um, yeah, I, I was. it was my final year of university, and I started to do really well, like, I'd made a lot of, especially being a student, like we were all, or me and my friends were all really poor and like obviously winning money in poker games at that time, it was just like even bigger money than it was. It was just huge. Like I, I remember buying like a big TV and all my friends would come around to my house just to like watch the football games and stuff on and it kind of <laughs> dawned on me like how well I was doing. I was just like making so much money for like, rather like at the time all I could have been doing instead was just working in like a, a local store and getting five or six pounds an hour so like the difference in poker was like quite a stark contrast was there a moment when you said I think I'm going to do this full-time for a living um yeah like I was kind of I was kind of struggling in my final year of university I like managed to scrape through but um yeah I just decided that it was best to give it a go. I just sat my like I sat my mum and dad down because I'd been at a university. They didn't really know that I'd been playing poker at all, to be honest. So I sat them down and said I had something big news to tell them, and they were kind of shocked. Like I don't think my mum took me that seriously at first, but like I showed her like that I'd paid off all of my student loans and I had like money to spare, and like my dad got more into it. He like note, noted down every like the money I had in every bank account and was like, okay, let me give you six months and, like, you come back to me, like, report to me then and, like, we'll see how you've done in that six months. So he knew exactly where I was at. And then, obviously, in that six-month period, I was quite quite fortunate in the fact that um, I was managed to pick up quite a lot of results. I just put everything I had into it, you know, like, my friends would be, like, calling me on a Friday night to go out drinking and stuff and I would say, I'd politely turn them down. I kind of just took six six months off the rest of my life and just focused solely on poker because I knew I just had to, like, achieve all I could in this period just to, like, prove to my dad that I could do it. And fortunately, yeah, it went really well. And I reported back in six months, and he was like, uh, yeah, you need to teach me how to play this game. So, <laughs> Did you? Uh, I did, actually. I, it was quite a funny story as well because he started playing a little bit because he just wanted to, like, understand what was going on so we could, like, talk about it and become closer over kind of poker because he took a really strong interest in it which was really nice and um, a couple of years later actually I'd been away in Australia for a few months so I hadn't been there for his birthday which was in like February that year and I was back I got back in March so if, as a, like a birthday present I um, offered to buy him into this UK poker tour event they had which was like a thousand dollar pain a thousand pound buy so like I don't know like sixteen hundred dollars and I bought him into it and we went up 
like two hour, three hour drive up to Manchester for the weekend to play this tournament. And like it was kind of just supposed to be like a father and son bonding experience. But and like to play the poker tournament, he was actually really nervous. He was like, I just want to do you proud. I don't want to like, embarrass you. I said, Don't like fine. Like no one expects you to win. You're not a serious player and stuff. So we went to play and we both played in the tournament. And uh, after the first day, I think there was like 400 people in the tournament. And after the first day, there was 80, 80 players left or so. And I was in fifth place and he was actually chip leader and um yeah and then like on day two i think 27 cashed i actually ended up bubbling i came like 30 or something so i was a bit devastated about that but my dad was still doing good and he uh he just made it to the final table like his big thing was to make the final table and he made the short stack and then once he got to the final table a lot of the other players were kind of scared they were all like worrying about how much more it was for the next pay jump and he was just in it to win it like by like he'd already won it by making the final table so he just went for it and he, he actually ended up winning the whole thing for like 70, <laughs> his first tournament pounds. this yeah, is his first like, major he, tournament he won the thing yeah his first major tournament he played one live tournament before which was a 10 pound rebuy at his local casino <laughs> he, he, he won the whole thing for like hundred twenty thousand us dollars but i mean it's crazy story even like i've told this story so many times but like still i can't believe it quite happened you know i i was right in there the whole way like it was Probably one of the most emotional experiences that I've ever had in poker. You know, I was so proud of him. Oh, that's terrific! Now, have, has he gone on to uh, playing, or did he say, "Nope, that's it. I, I I set out what I did, what I set out to accomplish. I'll leave the laurels to my son. I'm going back to doing what I do." Um, he he plays still. He plays quite a lot online mainly. He just, but he's quite a banker on it. He doesn't he doesn't play many big buy-ins at all. He kind of sticks to the, the softer, low stakes games, and he does he just does. Still does really well online, so but he hasn't. He's played a couple of lights on since, but he hasn't really gone crazy with it, which I think is good because obviously it's very easy for someone if they have one big result. It's very easy for them to think they're like the best player ever and like want to play in everything and like, easily lose that money back. But he just like invested the money, like did kind of sensible war in parent stuff and just like got a new bathroom and stuff like that. He didn't actually put the money back into poker, so yeah, fair play to him. That's great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. Hey, how you doing? This is Joe Walsh. I'm speaking on behalf of Rad. It's okay to rock and roll, right? But don't drive home drunk. But if you're drunk, call me up. I have a limo. I'll come and get you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to bzid.com. BZIT is your number one online auction source for brand name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75, 85, and 99% off retail. Go to BZIT.com and use the offer code USA and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code USA to get three bids for the price of one. Go to BZIT.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. BZIT.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Poker, 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 poker. I shall give it to you in a word. Poker.
Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. For listeners that just tuned in, we're talking with Chris Mormon, who is an extraordinarily successful player, uh, ten, over $10 million in online caches, $2.9 million in live caches, ranked number one online worldwide 18 times, four World Series of Poker final tables, 20 World Series of Poker caches. These numbers may be out of date, by the way. One EPT final table ranked in the top 100 live players on the world in the world on GPI, winner of the British Poker Awards Best Online Player for 2010, 11, and 12. What's next for you? What You know, you've done so much already at such a young age. What's next for you? Um, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of see what happens. I, I really want to get that big live victory. I've had, like, numerous second-place finishes, and to get so close, like, makes me even more hungry. Just because live is... Like, winning live is so much better with the winning online, really. Like, a lot of the time at these big events, um, we have lots of, there's like 40 or 50 British guys who all come to watch, and like your friends, they're like, all have a good time watching. They almost, it almost becomes like a spectator sport when they're there, because like, they all get into it, they make up songs, they're chanting, they're drinking, they're having a good time. And yeah, like, winning one of those events rather than coming second, I mean, coming second was like a, over the moon kind of feeling anyway, but I mean, winning one would just be like out of this world. So, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. Maybe like I'm going to focus a lot harder on playing live in uh, 2014. I think. What is the difference, Chris, between live play and online play? If you can pinpoint a few specific things, what would they be? Um, I would say probably number one would be like patience, just because online you're playing a lot. You play a lot of games at once, and it's, you know, it doesn't take that long. Well, it takes a long time, and it doesn't feel that long to, to like play a whole tournament, like five or six hours. Whereas if you play like a one of the big live tournaments, it can take up to like five or six days of like long draining days, and at like twelve like midday, and then finishing uh, mid midnight each day, and then you all get to sleep, and you like so you don't get enough sleep each day. So like, yeah, it's quite tiring. Like these live tournaments and also like obviously in the tournament anytime you're going to have periods where things aren't going for you and you just have to make sure you keep a level head and keep your focus and patience and don't you know like one big mistake can cost you your whole tournament so one big mistake over five five or six days is easy to happen so it's i think it's a lot more about staying steady and not doing anything too rash but obviously that's easier to say than do once you're like in the environment and like things go against you because live is just like so much more i don't know like if someone bluffs you and shows you to your face like how do you get that out of your head for the next three or four hours when you're sat staring at that same guy you know playing hand after hand with him and he's, you feel like he's, everyone's watching you and laughing at you so you know like you just have to <laughs> just focus on the future rather than the past if you buy that hand and stuff i think have you been uh have you been getting at all deep in the main event of the World Series of Poker? I haven't looked at your results. How, how well have you done? Um, I think I've played it seven or eight times now. And the first five or six times, I, I, didn't, I didn't even make day two, which is quite outrageous, really, because it should be pretty easy to make day two, even if like you don't do that well on day one, because like, like, you get so many chips and the blinds are low. It should be easy to make day two, but I just couldn't make day two. It was just like, I don't know, I just had this mental block with the main event. But then, um, not this year, but the year before, I actually went really deep. I ended up coming about 300 hours 
there's 6,000 people. I think there's like 6,400 people in it or something. And I had quite a big stack. I had like on day four or something. I think I was chip leader for a while, which was pretty cool because it was on my it was on my birthday as well. I started the day quite quite <laughs> short stacks and uh, I managed to like quadruple my stack in the first hour on my birthday. Like <laughs> it was yeah, it was amazing. But like that tournament is kind of a different animal to every other tournament I've ever played. Like getting chips in that tournament was such a buzz. It was almost like I was. It was my first ever poker tournament. I was that excited. It was, it was amazing. So I, w- I definitely want to get back there. But this year, I, I made day, made it to like near the end of day two. But um, yeah, I busted out then. But yeah, that's that's one tournament I haven't had the success in that I'd really want to. So hopefully, um, within the next couple of years, I can make make another deep run. But it's tough because you, you know you only get one shot a year at it. So right, that's right. Yeah, when you bust that tournament, it's definitely like a real low point. Like it takes you, you have to have a couple of days off in poker and like just do real life stuff and before you get back on the grind kind of thing. Now, I understand you're out in California now. Do you have, are you doing any poker out there? Are you playing at the Commerce or the Bike or any of the rooms out in California? Um, no, I'm just here like for vacation really. Like I'm just, um, girlfriend's from Los Angeles, so I'm just staying here for a week. For um, because I've, I've been playing a lot of poker the last month or so, like at War W Coop and the EPT in London, and just been playing a lot online. So I've just kind of taken a well-earned break really for the next week, and then I think because it's a big weekend on the online poker this uh, week weekend coming up, I'm going to fly to Vancouver for a couple of days just just literally to see a couple of friends and who, who are staying there and uh, play a bit of poker, and then I'm going to come back and um, yeah stay here for another week, experience uh, my first ever American Halloween, which should be pretty cool because I heard you get the guys do it pretty big over here. So, yeah, I get to see that firsthand. And then, yeah, and then I think I'm going to Montreal for November, which I've never been to, which should be cool as well. Ah, that's great. So you're actually taking a vacation in what I think of as the poker capital of the world, which is uh, Los Angeles. You must have excellent self-control, I must say, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> well, look, I, um, we have just about a minute left. I just have one final question for you, if you could answer, and then we'll, we'll end. Uh, yeah. You're in England. There have been a lot of great players over the last 20 years. Are there any particular players who you especially admire that have maybe helped shape your career or people that you've just looked up to in the poker world? Um, yeah, like uh, one player who I feel like doesn't get enough credit from England, like who's a great player and like a really good guy is um, Prez Banzi. Like he was kind of more of an older school guy. He was in like the, the hit squad and was kind of around doing well way before I even started playing. But he's also like been able to carry that on recently as well. He doesn't play as much as he used to these days, but he's had a lot of success. And I like the kind of style he plays poker. He's, you know, kind of a bit similar to myself. He's very aggressive and he like, likes to get involved in a lot of hands. And, yeah, I just don't think he gets uh, enough credit as he should considering he's, I think he's won two bracelets oh. as well as series of stuff. So, yeah, he's definitely someone I look up to and he's a really good guy. Well, that's great. And if people want to follow you, do you have a website that they can go to or do they just look for your name online? And if so, what is it? Uh, yeah, I just recently actually got a new website started and it's, um, I'm, yeah, it's uh, Chris, chrismormon.com, pretty simple. Um, and yeah, I'm looking to like, um, interact with the fans and just like 
posting regular blog updates and yeah like it's pretty well done yeah i recommend checking it out terrific chris mormon Dot com. That's M-O-O-R-M-A-N. Chris, you've been a great guest. I wish you success. I hope to see you at the final table of the main event. Um, me too. Thanks for having me on the show. Okay, take care. Listeners, that was Chris Mormon. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. Hey, Jersey, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com or leave a message at our hotline at 609-474-4627. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's JerseyManMagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Hey, this is Dave Shuttle from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of November 11th, 2013. Last week, the poker world crowned a new champion. Ryan Reese, the 23-year-old Michigan native, won the World Series of Poker main event. Reese beat Las Vegas club promoter Jay Farber to claim the coveted gold bracelet. After winning the crown, Reese says he doesn't have any plans on how to spend the $8.4 million he just won. Congratulations, Ryan. When it comes to casinos, Election Day proved to be quite different for two states. In New York, voters approved a constitutional amendment to expand casino gambling for as many as seven full-scale casinos in the state. In Massachusetts, voters chose to strike down casino plans in two different cities. Residents of East Boston chose to reject casino plans involving the Suffolk Downs racetrack, and voters in the city of Palmer in western Massachusetts rejected Mohegan Sun's plan to build a casino in that city. And finally, it seems you can't have a crazy Halloween story without involving Lindsay Lohan, so hey, here it is. According to TMZ, Foxwood Casino in Connecticut is demanding a partial return of their payment of $50,000 to Lohan because she showed up late to their Halloween party. Lohan reportedly showed up two hours late and skipped a red carpet event. However, she did judge the costume contest according to her contract. <laughs> to be judged by Lindsay Lohan should be a turning point in anyone's life. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at HOC Radio. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to bzid.com. 
Bizid is your number one online auction source for brand name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more. At discounts of 75, 85, and 99% off retail. Go to Bizid.com and use the offer code USA and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code USA to get three bids for the price of one. Go to Bizid.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. Bizid.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Now look, mister. First rule of the game of poker, whether you play in Eastern or Western rules, or, or the kind they play at the North Pole, is put up or shut up. Welcome back, listeners. We have a very significant guest. We are very, very fortunate to have... I think one of the top two or three, maybe the greatest poker writer alive today. He writes about strategy. He's written seven books that have and certainly will help shape poker in the years to come. I mean, you all probably know Herbert Yardley, Doyle Brunson, Mike Caro, David Sklansky. This is a writer in the same league who has come on in the last five or six years. He's recently published Playing the Player. I think it will significantly change how hard the games are at the table. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ed Miller. Ed, are you there? I'm here, and that was kind of a ridiculous introduction. Thank you very much. Well, I I don't think it's uh, incorrect or inaccurate to say that you are of the same ilk, at least for the reading player today. Your books have had a profound impact, especially for low-limit players who are trying to move up, um, people that are playing against tougher players, playing the player uh, from what I have read, and I haven't read the whole book because I haven't gotten it yet. I've read some excerpts. I've read some of the online stuff that I was sent. But we had Doug Hull on, who is an acolyte of yours, a student of yours, and a writer. His book, I think, has made a significant contribution, and I think his stuff is based on what he learned from you. Isn't that fair to say? Yeah, that's, that's fair, for sure. Okay, so tell us a couple of things about why you decided to write, other than to make your mother proud. Um, well, I think making my mother proud was actually pretty high on the list because, <laughs> uh, she, she was an English professor when she was working. Anyway, um, I, uh, I, I started, I wrote my first book, uh, nine years ago now, and it was just, uh, I kind of, you know, I've been playing poker full time for a while at that point. And to be honest, it's a very, very stressful way to make a living. It's, you know. I mean, even though, you know, over the long term, you know, you win a lot of money, it's, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yes, the word and, mercurial comes to mind. Yeah, and and um, I, I guess my sort of, uh, I was starting to see some gray hairs. I was only 23, 24. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I, I kind of wanted to take the skills that I had playing poker. I wanted to kind of dial my schedule back a little bit. So instead of playing 40 to 60 hours a week just sitting in a chair, I wanted to kind of take those skills that I had and kind of make use them to make a living uh, without, you know, requiring me to be in the chair the whole time. So uh, I, I wrote my first book, and um, it worked out great. Uh, people liked it. And I was also real happy. I, I if, if I wasn't going to be a poker player, I was going to be a high school teacher. So I've always been interested in teaching things. So it was kind of a natural fit for me to uh, start writing books. Well, I, I got to ask you a couple of follow-up questions to that. I mean, it's all fun to say you were a poker player. It was stressful. You were getting gray hairs, and you decided to write. But I mean, our listeners need to know you have 
degrees in physics and computer science and electrical engineering from MIT, why didn't you decide to go into one of those obvious fields? Yeah, yeah. I um, Well, I, I, I actually started as a software developer at Microsoft. That was my first job. And, um, you know, from my viewpoint, I, I got kind of politicked out of that job, just as, as happened sometimes. Groups got shifted and new projects got created, and I got moved from here to there. And it, it just um, it didn't work out kind of from that sense. And, and that was like right when poker was taking off, and it was a hobby for me, and I was excited about it. And, um, and you know, as I said, I was thinking about becoming a high school teacher. I was like, maybe I'll do that for a couple years. Um, but that was poker. This, this, that was like the year that Moneymaker won the World Series, and the excitement just kind of, you know, swept me up away with, with as poker got, you know, took off and everybody got excited about the game. I did too. So, so I think that's kind of why, and then, and then I really haven't returned to those fields. You know, I've been doing this for about 10 years now, 11 years. And, um, do you see yourself, do you see yourself writing anything other than poker literature? I do. I really, and, and that's the other thing is I really, really enjoy the writing process. I didn't think, you know, going into it, I was like, well, you know, this is something I can do with my poker skills. But once I got used to kind of the rhythm of a writing career, I mean, I have to say, you know, as far as stress and as far as, um, you know, just the day-to-day of, of being a writer, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's 500% better than most other jobs. I mean, I, you know, I only write a few hours a day. I uh, do it whenever I want to. If I don't write anything that day, no big deal. You know, if it, if it just you know doesn't come that day, there's always the next day. But okay. So really, for me, it's a it's a very great lifestyle. So I'd love to write about other things too. I just like that writing. Well, I want to life. get I want to get to your. I mean, I know we have a limited amount of time, and I want to get to some of the stuff that you cover in your book, playing the players. So let's get into it a little bit. We we have a shift that I think has happened at the one, two, and two, five tables, and that is that a lot of the really soft money that an ABC player, a conventional uh, fit or fold type no limit holding player, used to be able to get by being conservative, nitty, uh, and by the book, a lot of that money is dried up. And now we need to adopt new tactics to try to capture the money that's still there. What can you say are the top three or four, if you could do it simply and briefly? three or four things that a good but not yet great uh, no-limit hold'em player, especially at the lower-limit no-limit, although that sounds like an oxymoron, the lower-limit no-limit player should adopt for his game to improve and go to the next level. If you could focus on three or four things. Yeah, sure. I I mean, what you said is absolutely true, Um, especially at the 2-5 level. Let me focus on that because that's one where, you know, you can make pretty good money playing 2-5. Um, and, uh, but a lot of people aren't, a lot of people who were making the money six, eight years ago, aren't making it. Uh, and that's because they're waiting for hands that, that almost never happen anymore, you know? And so you're not going to do very well if you're waiting for something that's not going to come. So what I do now is I kind of pick on those people that are, that are just waiting and waiting (laughs) is what I do. And I, um, I say the biggest errors that two five players make is they play too many hands pre-flop because they're trying to make those big hands. You know, they're trying to make those flushes and straights. So they do play a lot of hands pre-flop. But then when they don't, they start not to get there on the turn, you know, they, they don't really have much on the turn or much that they feel con- confident calling down with. 
uh, they just fold. And so what ends up happening is they end up building these pots pre-flop. They'll call it pre-flop raise. You know, you got $100, $120 in the pot. And then they just abandon those pots on the chart. So my bread and butter play um, and, and what I would suggest to anyone trying to get better is to look at ways to build pots pre-flop and then to steal them on the Turner River. That's really what I think the bread and butter is right now for two five. All right, I want to I want to underscore something you said that isn't what other people may have heard. You said build pots pre-flop and then steal them not on the flop but on the turn and on the river. Could you explain that? Because conceptually, somebody might be thinking, "All right, so you raise pre-flop with a lot of broad range." And then when the flop hits, you assume your opponents probably didn't hit the flop since most, most flops don't hit most hands. And if you bet aggressively on the flop, you can steal those pots. But that's not what you said. How is what you said different from that? Because um, there's a lot of ways to hit a flop that, that doesn't have you calling all the way down to the river, right? Because those river gets, you know, the bets on the turn get big. Bets on the river can get even bigger. So. Just because you hit a flop and you're willing to call, you know, a $50, $50 bet on the flop doesn't at all mean that you're going to have a hand by the time the river card's out that you want to call three to $500 with. So a, a great example for me is, is a flop like queen nine six, uh, maybe with a two flush out there, you know. So there, there's a ton of ways to hit that flop. If you've got king, queen, you got top pair, you got queen, jack, you have, I mean, uh, you have top pair again, you got jack 10, you got a straight draw, you got 10, nine, you got middle pair. All the way down to six five, you still have a pair, and then you could do it again: king jack, queen ten, jack nine, eight ten eight. All these hands hit that flop, so all these hands are going to be inclined to call, uh, you know, that forty to sixty dollar flop that you put out there in a two five game. But what's going to happen is frequently on the turn, you know, a card like an ace will come off. Okay, now none of those hands I just talked about: king queen, queen jack, all the way down to six five. You know, king, jack, queen, 10, all the way down to six, four, whatever, however far down you want to go. None of those hands like the ace. And that ace, you know, I can see that. All I have to do is think about what kind of hands you have when you call and then look at that ace and say, you don't like that card. <laughs> and so I bet the card. And, uh, you know, let's say you're stubborn. Let's say you got king, queen, or maybe you're open-ended. Well, you call that bet on the turn. Now the river comes. Chances are the river's not going to make your hand. If it usually doesn't. Uh, so I'm just going to fire one more time, and you're going to let go. So um, that's kind of my strategy is I just look for boards like that. Um, and, and really, you know, those boards are all over the place because people just fold too much in these games. Uh, and I'm I'm building pots early pre-flop and on the flop. I'm, I'm not shy about having people call my flop bet. Uh, as long as I know what the turn and river cards mean for the type of hands you have, I'm happy to just keep firing. So that's that's a, a leap for a lot of players' conventional game is when they bet pre-flop and then the flop comes and they bet uh, two-thirds or three-quarters pot size bet, they're disappointed when they're called. You would be happy with the call because what you're really aiming for is to take it away on the turn or on the river when the drawing hand or the 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 weaker hand that's afraid of a drawing hand that comes in uh, doesn't come in. And so then if you have a scare card on the turn, like an ace in the examples you gave, uh, you bet, and that's a scary bet, and you can often take down the pot there. Or if the person is still drawing, which if they're a bad player, they may still be, you could 
make a pot-sized bet on the river and take down an even larger pot. Yep. I, that, that's, you know, and there's a lot of cards. It doesn't even have to be a scary card. Like a deuce on the turn is good because a deuce doesn't help either. You know, maybe it's not a scary card to say, but it doesn't improve any of the hands I talked about that we're calling on the flop. So, you know, there's a lot of these boards and a lot of these cards that can come off. It's just combinations of board textures and then turn and river cards and just knowing which combination uh you know, your kind of standard 2-5 player is going to end up folding too much against and just firing on those on those cards. That's that's really my bread and butter of what I do at that level. Now, a couple of caveats that I think are important to mention that some of the casual players who read your book or listen to this interview and read some of your articles might not appreciate is that these tactics don't work well against short-stacked players who don't fear larger bets on the Turner River, who may be nearly all in or all in on the flop. So you got to be careful that in your pursuit of this aggressive strategy, you're not going up against players that are so short that they have nothing to fear from a Turner River bet, and they'll be there, and they may have medium-strength hands that would take down your aggressive betting. And the second thing is, right, isn't that correct? Yeah, I, no, I agree with that. And, and what I do to kind of to kind of make my strategy work even a little bit against shorter stacks is, is I shade my bet sizes smaller on the early streets when the stacks are shorter. So when if say say it's a two five game and I, I have an opponent and he's only got, you know, say three hundred and fifty dollars in front of him, you know, as opposed to the five thousand the five hundred to thousand or more more that's kind of typical. Um, what I'll do is I'll make my bet sizes smaller to start out so that I can still end up getting you know, that final bet is still gonna be two hundred plus. And that's kind of that's what I see as the tipping point with a lot of players at, at the two five level, at least is, is about two hundred dollars. That's serious money, and that's where people really back off and let yes, pay yes, where the absolute number, there. the absolute number of dollars trumps their understanding of yep. uh, pot odds, which seems yep. to go out the window because it's just a scary number. I got that. That's yes. that's a very important concept. I, we only have a couple minutes left, Ed, and I want to. Focus on a couple of other things. First of all, where do you tend to play your live games? Uh, well, I live in Las Vegas, uh, so I play Aria, Venetian, Bellagio, you know, the big rooms here in town, mostly. So you're not out there looking for tourists as much as even good regular players who tend to have predictable patterns of betting. You can take the advantage of them even more than the totally unpredictable newbie. Is that fair to say? Yeah, these, these, I mean, these days I play during the days because I have a three-year-old and that, and that dictates my schedule. Uh, so I take what games I can get, really. Uh, but, yeah, I would say most of the time I'm playing against regular poker players who, who are in there, you know, day after day. That's good sure. to hear. And my last question for you, and you can go on, do you have any other writing projects in the works that we might expect to see sometime in the next year or so? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm putting together a, a compilation of a lot of the articles I've written over the years. Uh, get those all in one place, and I'm going to add some new content to make it, you know, extra worth um, worth looking at. So so look out for that. I'm going to have probably three books of that coming out soon, and then I want to put together a series that is um, kind of like multimedia. I'm going to have some video and maybe like a workbook and and kind of a, a whole, um, I don't know what, what they call it, but a whole package 
that you can buy that's a little bit more extensive than any single book that I've written so far. And that's that's longer term. I don't know if that's going to be out in a year or not. But Well, that's fantastic, that's Ed. Uh, give our listeners your website, how they can contact you if they're interested. I know you offer private lessons and also if they want to read more of your stuff. Sure. Yeah. No, my website is notedpokerauthority.com, uh, notedpokerauthority.com, or you can just Google Ed Miller Poker. I got a really easy name, so uh, <laughs> that might be easier to remember. Ed Miller Poker, uh, and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Ed Miller Poker on Twitter. Um, Terrific. So, so. That's terrific. Are you afraid that all your writing will come back to haunt you with players that know what you know and start to use countermeasures to take advantage of your play? Uh, you know, there's there's some of that, but you know, I I don't. You know, you just everybody's going to be getting better, and whether they get better from my books or from something else, you know, that's just you know part of the evolution. And I got to do what I have to do to stay ahead of the curve. Great. Well, you have stayed ahead of the curve, and I appreciate you coming on the show, Ed Miller, the author of uh, seven books, including Playing the Player, his most recent. Uh, we've really appreciated having you on. Thank you very much, Ashley. Okay, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, this is Dave from House of Cards, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about Jersey Man Magazine. Whether you're born and bred in Jersey like me, or even from Jersey but live somewhere else, Jersey Man is the perfect magazine for you. Health issues, state business news, sports, food, you name it, Jersey Man talks about it in a fun and informative way. They even host their own networking events where you can meet and greet other community members and professionals. With contributors like Bill Lyon, Stan Hockman, and George Anastasia with his own mob scene column, Jersey Man covers our region like no one else. Check out their website, jerseymanmagazine.com, for more information and some really cool Jersey Man merchandise. Jersey Man's available at most major newsstands, and you can even subscribe online. That's jerseymanmagazine.com. Jersey Man Magazine. Hey, if you're from Jersey, it's the only magazine you'll ever need. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. The key to winning poker is knowledge. And winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by World Series of Poker veteran Ashley Adams, can give you that knowledge. 
cash games, small tournaments. Whether you're a seasoned player, a novice, or just find yourself losing more often than you win, winning No Limit Hold'em can show every type of player how to consistently win at the game of No Limit Hold'em. You know it's been said that winning isn't everything, but it sure feels a whole lot better than losing. Get Winning No Limit Hold'em, the new book by Ashley Adams, and start winning today. Now available at Amazon.com and wherever great books are sold. Are you still shopping the old-fashioned way? Well, then buzz on over to BZ.com. BZ is your number one online auction source for brand-name new items from companies like Apple, Sony, Canon, Dyson, Samsung, and more at discounts of 75 85 and 99% off retail. Go to BZ.com and use the offer code USA and get three bids for the price of one. That's offer code USA to get three bids for the price of one. Go to BZ.com. B-E-E-Z-I-D.com. BZ.com. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. Previously on House of Cards. They were very rude, and um, they kicked me out. Really? They kicked me out of... About a minute and a half later, two very large guys came up behind me as I was seated, and they said, Sir, you'll have to come with us. You've been asked to leave. House of Cards has secretly obtained the audio from this Las Vegas poker room. Here's the poker room manager's instructions to his staff upon seeing Ashley. I see you. I see you. You hit that in the face really f***ing hard. Sorry, man. Ow! 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 House of Cards, spreading love wherever we go. Very nice intro. Thank you, Doug. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, this is Ashley Adams. Welcome back to House of Cards. And this is my favorite segment, not to be disrespectful of the other segments that I enjoy, but I love the mailbag. Dave always gets interesting questions and springs them on me unaware. So go to it, brother. Our uh, first question actually comes from our Facebook page. Don't ask me what the address is or anything like that. Just go to houseofcardsradio.com. And click on Facebook, and you can post right. questions there, too. It's cool. I hope you get some more pictures up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put some more pictures. I think we uh, put the ones when you were at the uh, World Series. Okay. I think uh, my friend Andre Joseph has one uh, standing next to me smiling. Both of us are smiling, which is uh, was not indicative of my mood through most of that trip. <laughs> was that trip. before you played? Or? That was before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's up? Michael via Facebook wants to know, what do you feel the difference is between those players who play to make their living at poker as a boring job versus those who play because of the thrill of it? Well, if you're a player who wants to make a living at it, you want to have people in the game who are there for the thrill of it. And so interestingly, if you are really serious about making money at poker, you are best to affect the attitude at the table of not caring at all so that you won't scare away those who are there to have fun, which is, to me, an ironic lesson that more people should learn because too many players who think they're going to earn their living at it, they're not. They're usually not really skilled. They don't have the disposition, but they think that they're really going to become professional poker players, um, feel the need to behave in a way that is antithetical to what they really want to do. They don't behave in a friendly, smiling, I'm just here to have fun, let's have a good time way. <laughs> they like to berate their opponents, insult them, and 
frankly, if I were an amateur kind of confused about the game and thinking I'm just going to have fun, like uh, shooting crap or playing blackjack, and somebody behaved in the way that a lot of these quote-unquote skilled players behave, I'd say, screw you guys, I'm out of here, I'll go do something that's fun. So the really, and you can read any of the books by Mike Caro or similarly gifted writers about poker, they'll tell you the same thing. Best is to have a happy-go-lucky, I'm having a good time attitude, and not to let people in on the fact that you're really there just to make money. The guys who play poker for a living, do you see that they bet more aggressively than the players who are just in it for the thrill of it, or... uh or do you see you well, can't really sure. tell? Well, sure. I mean, well, I can tell if I if there's a player who knows what he's doing uh, and does it well, or she knows what she's doing and does it well. Uh, generally speaking, at a typical one-two no-limit game, you don't have people that are full-time professionals. You may have people that are semi-professionals making some of their living. But when you move up, it tends to be uh, players that are more selective and more aggressive uh, that are paying attention as opposed to being distracted. I've written a lot of articles on how to tell if a table is good. It's a table that doesn't have the type of player that is that looks like they are very serious about the game. But in fact, some of the very best players blend in so well that the typical player would not recognize them as the pro. They would think that some of the more somber, serious, sunglassed, uh, behatted, earphoned guys were the pros, while in fact they're the wannabes, and they don't really have what it takes to be a pro, which generally is an affect that attracts people to the game. So it's a, it's a very interesting question because uh, sometimes appearances are deceptive. So do you think a guy like Phil Helmuth, is he out of the normal for a professional poker player? I mean, he seems to be acting out more at the table. Well, there's a whole separate category. Now, if, if you didn't know he was Phil Helmuth, would you think he was a professional poker player? Well, I don't know, because I do know he's Phil Helmuth. So oh, okay. if, you mean, if you, somebody looked different with a different name but behaved the way he did, I would assume that they were not a pro uh, because of the tantrums and the lack of emotional control, but I would be wrong because his play is clearly superior to that of 99.9% of the people who play. Um And I was just going to say that there's a separate category of professional. There's the cash game professional that is anonymous and makes his money by attracting people. And then there is the name pro, the tournament pro, who is very clearly known and identified because he's a celebrity. And that's a whole separate category because a celebrity poker player, um, somebody who's seen on TV regularly, can make money in other ways, can make money because people uh, are going to be intimidated by his betting or will want to stick around in the game because he's a celebrity. He doesn't have to be seductive with his style of play or his affect because he, as a celebrity... People want to play just like if Mickey Mantle, when he was alive, or better if Willie Mays is playing, if it turns out that Willie Mays is a great professional player, everybody's going to want to play with him anyway because it's Willie Mays, right? Or I'm dating myself, uh, Derek Jeter. Um, Similarly, even if it is a professional, if it's Phil Helmuth or any of a number of, you know, the top 500 televised professionals, I'm going to want to play in his game because it's cool to be playing with him, even if I'm uh, unloading my bankroll into his pocket. You said something really interesting. Can someone consistently win at poker and still remain anonymous? How do you, how do you, walk, I guess it depend- how do you balance that? I guess it depends on how you define anonymous. But there are, there are professionals, certainly, who play regularly who people don't know their names unless they're playing in their game regularly. 
I mean, if I, if um, let's say I'm a serious big-time professional player and I'm playing at the Commerce, maybe the regulars know me as a winning player, but 90% of the people that might sit down in my game wouldn't know me because I'm not on television, I don't sign autographs, I haven't written any books, and I don't have a face that's recognizable. So, yes, most professionals, I would say, most cash game professionals are not celebrities, are not well-known. They don't play in the big tournaments on television, so who's going to know who they are? Well, let's stick with Facebook because I don't think we have uh, too much more <laughs> okay, questions. Okay, shoot. What else? Here's, here's Marie from Facebook page. What do you do to alleviate stress or boredom involved in sitting at the poker table for too long? Anything you can suggest to avoid a bad case of sitting-itis? Okay, that's a very good question, and uh, it shows that she's aware of one of the classic weaknesses that a lot of regular players have. They tend to st- sit in the game too long. They lose their edge. They become inattentive. They become bored. The key is, for me... I get up and I walk around, sometimes literally in a circle next to the table just to exercise a little bit, uh, sometimes just to get into the habit of standing up so that I don't atrophy, uh, my leg and uh, back muscles don't atrophy. But I also find that if I've suffered a bad beat or if I'm finding that I'm not paying attention or I misread a card or something like that, it helps for me to get up, walk away, maybe get a cup of coffee or something to eat, and uh, then come back. The game's always going to be there, so I recommend that people exercise a little bit. Well, that that's would be my all answer. we got. Okay. Um, listen, folks, please come back next week. Listen to House of Cards. And good night and good luck. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.